PFG Private Wealth Management LLC is an SEC-registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. The topics and information discussed during this podcast are not intended to provide tax or legal advice. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed on this podcast. Past performance is not indicative of future performance. Insurance products and services are offered and sold through individually licensed and appointed insurance agents. The rules of retirement have changed. No longer can most of us rely on Social Security or a single pension to fund our futures. We're living longer, and retirement doesn't just last a handful of years anymore. Instead, you might stay retired for 20 or 30 years, and maybe even more. We need to look at retirement through a new lens, with fresh eyes, with a new approach and plan of attack. Here to answer the call are financial advisors John Texera and Nick McDevitt of PFG Private Wealth Management, serving you throughout the Tampa Bay area. This podcast is Retirement Planning Redefined, and it starts right now. Hey everybody, welcome into this week's edition of Retirement Planning Redefined Podcast. We appreciate your time hanging out with John and Nick and myself as we're talking investing, finance, and retirement. And of course, you can check them out online if you've got some questions or need to follow up or have a chat about your own situation. Get your retirement planning redefined at pfgprivatewealth.com. That's pfgprivatewealth.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast while you're there. A lot of good tools, tips, and resources to be found. And on this go around, we're going to talk about flirting with disaster. As Floridians, they're certainly always the case where you uh, we have some disastrous situations can come up from time to time. But we're going to talk about these from a financial standpoint and some areas in our financial life where we could do this and not even realize it. First off, let's say hey to the guys. What's going on, Nick? How are you? Doing well, doing well. How about yourself? Doing pretty good, hanging in there. Looking forward to today's topic. Got some good easy fixes, I think, for a few of these things, as well as some that are maybe a little more complicated. We'll dive into that and let you guys share. But John, how are you? Doing good, doing good. Uh, Nick and I are actually in the process of uh, planning a, a golf tournament for a couple Ooh. of charities here locally uh, with... Um, the group we're in is, again, Third Slime Men Foundation, and um, we're partnering up with Burns Steakhouse to uh, do a golf event at uh, TPC Tampa Bay. So nice. we're excited about that coming up. Very nice. Yeah, keep keep us posted on that. We'll definitely like to learn more as we get closer to there. Well, hopefully you guys won't have any disastrous situations come tourney time, but let's talk about them today. I got a couple of, I got about five here, guys. I want you to just break down for us. And like I said, some of these are kind of easy fixes. So let's start there. Uh, they can definitely cause a lot of havoc, but again, they are easy fixes. So out-of-date legal documents, you know, not the sexiest thing in the world, right? But a pretty easy thing to fix. This is something that, you know, is is a common oversight, a common mistake that people make. Um, you know, some of the instances that we see where the documents are out of date or, you know, just not going to accomplish the things that they're hoping to accomplish are scenarios like somebody moved from out of state and, you know, the many people don't realize that um, from an estate planning standpoint, from a legal document standpoint, a lot of those documents are different from state to state. So that's an important thing to review uh, if you are somebody that has recently moved. Mm -hmm. A few years back, there were um, updates in Florida to durable power of attorney rules. And so that's a, a reason to to have a review. But just like anything else, uh, it's important to make sure that you know that you have an inventory or you take an inventory of what you have 
you know, something like this, people never, or oftentimes people don't realize how long it's been since they have updated their documents. Right. right. Uh, there could be children that are alive now that weren't before, uh, parents that were alive then that aren't now, uh, previous marriage, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So making sure that those documents are updated and, and chatting with an attorney about that is, is a really important thing. Yeah. And we tend to set it and forget it with a lot of those. What are some of the key ones we should think about, John? You know, I would say one of the biggest ones is a, a second marriage. Um, that's where you really want to pay attention to who the beneficiaries are, who's getting what. And there's certain rules in the state of Florida. And, and of course, you know, defer to uh, the professionals and attorneys on that where, you know, a spouse does, is entitled to a percentage of the assets. Um, so if you want to make sure that, you know, if it's a second marriage, you have kids in the first marriage and you don't want to disinherit them, you want to make sure your docu- documents are definitely up to date. Another one we've seen, and Nick mentioned it, you know, people moving in from out of state. If you have assets in other states, it's important to make sure that um, you're, you, you kind of have some documents for that state where the other assets are. So example, I'm from Massachusetts. My parents have a house up there. So they had to make sure that they basically had a will for up there and down here. So yeah, I got you. Now, a lot of times the misconceptions with wills are if you have a will, the saying goes, you will go through probate, right? whereas a trust allows you to maybe not do that. Uh, is there some other main documents that we should have? I'm assuming like the power of attorneys, correct? Yeah, durable power of attorney, a will, um, what can be oftentimes people will confuse a traditional will with a living will. Okay. And, you know, essentially end of life documents are, are important to have. Like a medical power um, of attorney, obviously, right? Yep, exactly. So there's kind of like that core package that most attorneys will review uh, with you, help you recognize, hey, is this out of date? Is this still applicable? And, you know, we always recommend, obviously, with any sort of legal topic that you're communicating with either an attorney that you have and are familiar with, or um, we obviously have a few attorneys that we work with that we send clients to that yeah, yeah. that we know and trust and, and will help make sure that they get through um, the process. And it's often not as costly as we think it's going to be, too, to get these things handled. And once you get them in place, again, out of date, you know, if you're just making some adjustments, usually it can be done through a phone call. So kind of an easy fix, right? Yeah, we, we've definitely seen, you know, especially over the last year, many, many companies, including, you know, law offices have uh, put their tech into hyperdrive to make things <laughs> right. easier yeah. for, for yeah. clients. So, yeah, exactly. yes, it's, it, you know, sometimes uh, mentally things will feel overwhelming and that will slow us down from doing it. And, you know, this is one of those things that doesn't need to be super difficult and, uh, and can be done pretty easily. Yeah. And uh, we actually have uh, something we give to clients. It's a kind of a Will's Point checklist. It's like 24 questions to consider. Oh, okay. It's like a prep before you go see an attorney. So you feel like, all right, I'm a little bit prepared for this. That's awesome. So if anyone does want that, they're more than welcome to uh, shoot us an email um, or call the office and just, just mention that and we can get it to them. Yeah. Again, folks, stop by the website, pfgprivatewealth.com. Drop them an email, uh, john or nick at pfgprivatewealth.com is where you can email them. Uh, yeah, that's a great point. So thanks for bringing that up as well. And and John, you mentioned, you know, like another marriage, for example. So the BDs, the beneficiary designations, having those incorrect, another easy fix. And it's not just, you know, we tend to think of, I don't know, one item or one type of account, but there's multiple places where you're going to have these beneficiary designations and updating these is, again, a pretty easy thing to do. I had somebody teach me that if you, there's a couple of Ds to remember uh, to kind of trigger you to double check these. If you get a divorce, if you have a death, or a disability, 
or at minimum, at least once a decade. <laughs> that way you get the four Ds, if you will, uh, to maybe update these or take a look at them. Yeah, those are all uh, really good ones. Um, actually, you know, kind of going back to the will stuff. So if you do have beneficiaries on some of these accounts, it does bypass probate. So if right. there's a beneficiary on a life insurance or retirement account, it doesn't actually go through probate. It goes oh, okay. directly to that uh, beneficiary. So that's always kind of good to know. Um, but yeah, divorce, uh, very important one to update. I uh, can't tell you how many times Nick and I have have done some reviews uh, with some clients that you know that, that are new clients, and it's we've seen on the four hundred one ks especially because that's kind of a set it and forget it type thing. Sure, where you have an ex spouse on there. Um, we've unfortunately seen some people with four hundred one ks where they get auto enrolled. They just never put a beneficiary on there just because you know ah. when they signed up. It's an auto enrollment for the company. Um, so those are two important things to really take a look at, and um, we don't see this too often, but we have seen some people just kind of, uh, you know, just have a fallout with some beneficiaries, whether it's a child, a niece, nephew, whatever it may be. Uh And um, we've seen some changes from that where it's, hey, you know, (laughs) to be frank, I just don't like this person anymore. (laughs) I mean, it happens, right? You know, it definitely happens. And so this, we're talking like IRAs, uh, life insurance policies, uh, 401ks, things of that nature. Yep. Okay. All right. So those are, again, pretty easy fixes for some of that stuff. Uh, and the, the havoc they can wreak, I, I imagine, you know, having somebody come in and, you know, the new spouse is saying, hey, I found out that the old spouse is still on this, you know, life insurance policy. That's not good. And that's not an easy fix at that point, but it can be taken care of ahead of time pretty darn quickly. Let's move to some more complicated one here, guys. You could be flirting with disaster talking about the ticking tax time bomb. Obviously, that is going to continue to be a mainstay of conversation in retirement planning in general because it's such an important part of it, how we're being as ta- if we're being as tax efficient as possible, I should say. But with the continued spending that we're seeing as a nation, it seems like this is only, you know, going to become more and more of an issue. Yeah. So one of the things that we try to, you know, so when we when we talk about a tax time bomb, what what we're typically referring to is when People uh, only save into accounts that are tax deferred, aka traditional 401k, aka traditional IRA. Right. And so when they are in retirement, they, you know, the thought process is like, hey, I'm going to have lower taxes. So no matter what, this is going to be a better deal for me. And, you know, the thing that we try to focus on with, with clients and with people in general is that, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty on, uh, what we know is going to happen from a tax perspective. And so our really emphasis is not necessarily to be right as far as, hey, we know that X, Y, and Z is going to happen. It's that you have options so that no matter what, you can adapt to what's going on. And, and the tricky part about that is if, you know, if you're two to three years out from retirement, you're, ha- you're at your highest earning income years, you don't have any Roth money, for example, or any uh, just regular investment account funds put away, we may continue to have you save into a pre-tax account. But then once you retire, we may look into you know trying to do some Roth conversions or make some adjustments or plan for you know kicking in a strategy when you, you do retire. So it's not like it's necessarily the easiest uh, thing to navigate. Your best bet is that as soon as you can start to save money into different places so that you not only are diversifying your investments, but you're diversifying how you're going to be taxed in retirement is really uh, an emph- a thing that we emphasize with clients. 
Yeah, and that's a, a good point as well because this is not as easy as a fix, but it's something you can get on pretty quickly simply by working with an advisor, uh, having them review your scenario and your situation and saying, okay, how can we be more tax efficient and looking for ways to do that. And I just saw the other day that there's an estimate, they're estimating about $40 trillion is what's sitting out there in uncollected taxes on a ret- traditional you know, IRAs or 401ks. The government's kind of salivating right over this you know, estimated $40 trillion that as people go through these retirement accounts and start to pull the money out or whatever the case is. So certainly places where you can have those conversations and be hopefully be more tax efficient. So again, if you need the help with that, make sure you're talking to a qualified professional like John and Nick. What about flirting with disaster guys when it comes to just no plan at all for long-term care expenses? This one obviously is going to be even more complicated, but most people just ignore it. You know, I, I know it's a daunting subject sometimes for folks, but there's things you can do. Yeah, so uh, you're right on that. Most people do ignore it. Um, and there are some options out there. They used to be much better. Unfortunately, they've kind of gotten just not as strong. You know, 10 years ago, you could get a really good policy from a, from a good provider. Mm-hmm. And nowadays, you know, a lot of these providers have left, you know, the, the space uh, right. in essence, and they're not offering it anymore. So what we've kind of seen more is kind of like, you know, and Nick goes through this part in the class, some hybrid vehicles where it's a life insurance and a long-term care policy kind of bundled up in one. We've had situations where, you know, from a planning standpoint, you know, maybe getting, you know, it's very hard to qualify for it. So we've had to put in some buffers to self-insure. Again, not covering the whole cost of it, but just trying to help out in the event um, that something were to happen. You know, it's very important just uh, limited options out there currently, but it's definitely worth exploring your situation to see you know what fits for you. Yeah, and imagine you're only going to make that you're going to exacerbate that by not having the conversation, right? So if the options are becoming a little bit more limited, and you're also not taking the time to discuss it, you could be you know putting yourself even further behind the proverbial eight ball. So. You know, definitely have those conversations. Don't just stick our head in the sand, especially when it comes to long-term care expenses, whether you, you know, it's the two out of every three people or seven out of every 10, whatever the case is, it's happening more and more because we're living longer. Uh, so we therefore have to you know, deal with those outcomes that come with it. Uh, one more here, guys, on uh, some places we can flirt with disaster, and we'll probably wrap up with an email question that we got in. Uh, to the site as well. But uh, that's the classic 60-40 portfolio. First, just run it down for us what that is for folks, and then why might you flirt with disaster on that? Sure. So, um, you know, there's a little bit of jargon in there, of course, and we try to stay away from it as much as possible. But a 60-40 portfolio is uh, what's considered 60% stock, 40% fixed income or bonds. And, you know, it's 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 tricky because, you know, really the way that people invested a a short while ago was different than the way that people are investing now. And, and really what also happens. So for example, these last few years as bond yields or returns from bonds have gone down, uh, people have kind of flirted a little bit more with uh, taking more risk in on the Mm -hmm. stock side. And so, you know, it's, it's really important to make sure that when you are evaluating your overall portfolio and looking at how much risk you're willing to take, that you you really understand how these different parts you know work and move together. So so really, what it boils down to is that 
it's important for you to have a liquidation order. So for example, what some people used to do is, hey, I'm going to have a 60-40 portfolio. I'm going to pull from my account every single month without any sort of strategic plan on, on how I'm going to pull that money out or where it's pulling from. And when we have corrections in the market or volatility in the market, where we'll see uh, people really suffer is, you know, let's say they had a million dollar portfolio, we get a big pullback, all of a sudden your statement that two months ago said a million bucks says, you know, 800,000 or 750,000 now, it can make you or prompt people to uh, overreact uh, to the market. And, right. and then once that overreaction happens, you know, basically you're locking up your losses, you're selling at lows, then you're going to want to buy back at highs. And so it's really, really important to make sure that the, the portfolio and the allocation that you have lines up with, with truly how much risk you're willing to take. Yeah, John, it seems as though the 40% in bonds, I mean, bond market's been just as volatile as of late, you know, as for a while. So that seems like a bit of maybe one of those rules of thumb that might be a bit antiquated going with that standard 60-40. But again, everybody's scenario is different. So like a lot of things, I imagine it, it might be fine for some and not for others. Yeah, of course. And like we say, we really want to start with a plan for the client and dictate the investment options and strategy based on that plan. There are some other what we consider fixed income vehicles that can kind of substitute the bond market mm -hmm. that we've been you know utilizing when necessary. Um, and again, works for some people, doesn't work for others. But you know, it's good to know your options right. and, and how it works for you. Yeah, versus trying to, to shoot your oh, point go ahead, there, Nick. Mark, too, on as far as like the bond uh, side of things. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in general, as you know, prices as interest rates go up, bond prices go down. And so one of the ways that we have built around that just for clients that are, you know, for those people listening that are clients are essentially creating like bond ladders in their portfolios that uh, aren't as negatively impacted as, as rates do continue to go up. Right. So, so there are ways to, to work and to build around these things, but it typically, you know, especially uh, people that are holding these money, this money in their 401ks, those sorts of things. There may be significant limitations to how they can adjust to them there, and that's where they can get in trouble. Yeah, no, great points. Exactly. I mean, that's kind of the, the point of doing the podcast as well as to share some of these things for not only existing clients, but obviously for you know, potential clients that might be listening to the show uh, and just hopefully offering some good nuggets of information along the way. And with that said, that's going to kind of wrap up our flirting with disaster. Again, five areas where uh, you can jump on these things and maybe get these corrected pretty easily, at least a couple of them for sure. And the other ones, it's worth having those conversations with an advisor if you're not working with one. Uh, on how to you know be as efficient as possible. With that said, let's wrap up with an email question this week. Again, if you'd like to stop by the website, uh, we certainly encourage you to do so at pfgprivatewealth.com. A lot of good tools, tips, and resources there. While you're there, you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or whatever platform you use. You can also drop the guys a line as well at pfgprivatewealth.com. And here is an email from Andy who says, uh, how much of my portfolio, guys, is it okay to have invested in just one stock? I'm sitting on about $2 million, but almost half of it is with one company. Well, that's enough to have a panic attack. <laughs> um, so usually if you're asking if you have too much in one place, you do. But all, all kind of joking aside, the, where, we, where we typically see this sort of thing happen is in one of two situations. So situation number one was inherited. Uh, from a parent and maybe that parent worked for a company for many, many years, or uh, they invested in that company for a long period of time. And now all of a sudden that money is ballooned into a big amount. 
And due to a combination of tax rules and laws plus uh, sentimental you know, value, all of a sudden that holding makes up a significant portion of, of, the, of the underlying portfolio. And option number two is just somebody that has worked for a company for a long time, 30, 40 years. They've been buying the company stock for years and years and years. And, you know, maybe the stock has performed well, and there's this kind of emotional and, and financial attachment to it. And so in this situation, oftentimes what we'll do is we'll show them a comparison of that stock to like the S&P 500, for example. And oftentimes the S&P 500 itself has performed similarly or even a little bit better. And we'll show them like, hey, look at, you know, you can have the same sort of upside potential or growth potential by holding a, an in, you know an ETF or an index fund versus just holding that one stock and and protect yourself a, a lot more. And another question that we'll pose you know to them sometimes that I've you know that we've gotten good results from in the past was, okay, so you know if I had two if I was gonna get, if I was gonna hand you a two million dollar lottery ticket and uh, you were going to invest that money, would you spend half of half of it on one stock? And mm, yeah. the answer is usually like a cross-eyed look like, no, are you crazy? And so, you know, that's exactly the, the sort, same sort of thought process where, you know, usually it's just way more risk than somebody needs to take. There's ways to still have similar performance and uh, reduce the risk, you know, um, by quite a bit. And it's just not really worth it at, at that point in time is typically the case. All right. Great question, Andy. Thank you so much for submitting that into the show. Uh, I know it's cliche, but as your grandmama might have said, you know, don't have all your eggs in one basket. So I have those conversations. And, you know, certainly you're thinking about it to Nick's point. If you drop, took the time to drop an email to the show here, you're obviously probably already thinking that direction anyway. So follow up, have a conversation with some qualified professionals like John and Nick from PFG Private Wealth. And that's going to do it this week for us on the podcast. Thanks for your time as always. We appreciate it. Always check out with a, uh, with a qualified professional, as I mentioned, before you take any action on anything you hear on this show or any other. And you can find it all at pfgprivatewealth.com. For John, for Nick, we'll see you next time here on the show. Thanks for your time. We'll talk to you later.